All right, we're back on the show, and today we got Emily from I Drink Your Podcast. So Emily, she knows. Dedication time. What would you like to dedicate this episode to? I was originally going to dedicate this to my husband, but that's just too basic, basic, right? So (laughs) as a teacher, I am going to dedicate this to all of my students because they're the ones that have really gotten me through this pandemic and pushed me to be better and pushed me to be creative and let myself be myself. So trying to practice what I am teaching. I like that. Can I do a dedication too? (laughs) Of course. I'm going to dedicate it to William Hurt, who just turned 71 yesterday. And he was in our movie that we critiqued, (laughs) William Hurt, yes. Um, And if you haven't seen Children of a Lesser God. I have not. Oh, my gosh. that, That... that's a good movie of him. He's really, and then he won an Oscar for The Kiss of a Spider Woman, which you can't find a copy of. It's kind of sad, but really, yeah, um, yeah. So William Hurt, who has a wonderful range as an actor, he can do Hallmark specials and then be really creepy in Mr. Brooks. And, <laughs> so, all right, students and William Hurt, let's get the show. Okay, we're back on the CFO Filmcast, and today we have Emily. Hi, you, Hi. you're on now. You're on another podcast. You want to mention it before we get started? Yes, I am on I Drink Your Podcast. We're a podcast that only covers 2007 movies. Yeah, how did that platform get started? I mean, it's, how did you... it's kind of a ridiculous story, honestly, because I wasn't actually going to be involved whatsoever, but. Ben, Matt, and Wesley are all best friends from high school and grew up together. And they've all kind of talked about how they always loved talking about movies and yeah. they always just love arguing about movies. And the three of them kind of started talking about, hey, let's start a podcast. And this was back prior to the pandemic. And because I worked with Ben at the same school and we were both were involved in the theater at the school, yeah. he asked me if I could listen to some episodes and provide some feedback. And structure because they needed it a little bit of structure guys yeah three three guys in a room they need they need somebody to give them a little structure yeah Yeah. so i had no knowledge of really any podcasts i wasn't really into podcasts myself because i had a really hard time like thinking about listening to something and doing something i couldn't find a nice balance to that and so then i started giving them feedback and then they asked me to guest on a practice episode so we did speed racer Oh, yeah. That's my friend Kyle that I critique movies with. That's his favorite movie of all time. Really? It is. Yeah, there it is. I loved it. I'd never seen it before. And so then we started talking more about how I could possibly just help them with social media and possibly be a producer, which I didn't even know what that meant at the time. Nobody really knows what producing <laughs> no, is. No, no one does. No, yeah. I still don't really know. Yeah. And then they were like, you know what? What the hell? Let's just have Emily on all the time because we value her opinions and especially with someone who has never really watched a lot of movies before yeah. it's a different take and also giving the female pre- perspective so it does i'm the girl <laughs> i do like it. that does have a nice mixture you guys have a nice mixture because you have a lot of people who've experienced watching movies and mm-hmm. you know 
three guys critique movies gets kind of old fashioned, but you could bring in somebody who's never really familiar with the media, but you like watching movies. Oh yeah. I've always loved watching movies. I grew up watching the same movies a lot, especially musicals, but I never really watched critically acclaimed movies because I just didn't have the interest to sit down and watch that for that long. Although nowadays we watch shows on repeat and binge them. So I have no excuse anymore. (laughs) So stuck on 2007, which is one of the best years. That's a good idea. Yeah. And that was Ben's and Matt's idea originally because partially because Matt left the United States to be in the Air Force and so he lived in Japan around that time so those are movies that they missed out on watching together so there's kind of a sentimental value of oh we missed out on this let's let's do this but also originally they wanted to do 1999 but there was already a 99 podcast. (laughs) 1999 is a pretty good year. Which is also a really good year yeah and so they picked 2007 partially because Matt was gone but also because it's one of the best years for movies. well, that was like my, my second to last year in college was 1999, and that's when we I was taking film film theory. Oh, okay. And it was amazing because every time we go see watch an old movie, my professor's like, "I want you to go see this movie. It just came out. This is a you know critique this one." And it was a nice because you know you have to do an essay like you have to go to the theater to watch a movie, a new movie, right. and critique it like what's you know do an essay about it. But everything was so good at the time. <laughs> we had The Matrix, we had Fight Club, we had all these great movies that came out at the time. Right. So yeah, 99 was, would be a good pick too. Yeah. So do you have a particular favorite so far that you guys, a movie that so far that you guys Well, hmm, okay. This is hard for me because I I still am not quite convinced that it's that good of a year. I'm sure that I will continue to explore. We have probably about 50 some movies we want to get to next yeah well, still like a lot of right a lot of content yeah. i do really really love ratatouille i that was i came into that knowing that one but some that i hadn't seen before that i really fell in love with some of the ones that i really fell in love with include fracture i really liked fracture yeah I really loved Mr. Brooks because, I mean, you you heard me on the episode that you were on. I I really enjoyed that. I didn't think that I would, but I found it really intriguing and fun to watch. But I think one of the best ones that I've seen so far that I really just had a fun time with and didn't expect I'd have fun with is The Assassination of Jesse James. Yeah, that's... I didn't think I'd like it. I don't really like Westerns and dramas very much, but... It's not really a Western, isn't it? I mean, they're wearing Western clothes, but the yeah, whole concept... Yeah, but the never... concept really isn't, but it has kind of a, a feeling of a Western, and I again, like, I'm not really into dramas, so it's been weird to find myself loving and falling in love with dramas. <laughs> it's a weird movie, because here, I think the cinematographer and the lighting far as outweighs what i mean obviously the performances are really good acting mm-hmm. but when you see something that's really really done really well and it carries over i mean the lighting for it and how you say your lines of lighting you're like this is a, wow it carries yeah, over i know because it's first, beautiful when you say it the first thing you do is like the lighting of it how it's dark and rich and gold and all that stuff yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah we have noticed we actually were talking last night when we were recording our shrek the third podcast episode <laughs> it was our 50th and we were talking about hey let's reflect back on all the movies we've seen and yeah. think about like what kinds of things have we noticed and the biggest thing that we talked about was how looking back on some of these movies and just focusing in on one year 
it was amazing to see a lot of the homophobic patterns, sexist patterns, and in comedies, especially how things didn't age well, and just seeing how far we've come in our society and in film. But at the same time, you're kind of like thinking about in 20 years from now or 14 years from now, we'll still see a lot of progress, I guess. Well, it's fascinating because I just watched um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which was a major breakthrough about interracial relationship Mm -hmm. and how they're going to try to negotiate with their parents and see if they're okay with it. And the whole movie is the old white couple, they're considered liberal, being comfortable with their daughter dating and marrying a black man, <laughs> but it's still Sorry, dated. my life. <laughs> right, right. And the black couple still, they're not comfortable because, you know, this is, a, at the time when it came out, it was still illegal in like 20 states. Right. And But the whole, it's still kind of dated because the whole movie is trying to make sure the old white guy comes in terms and reconciles. And as soon as he becomes comfortable with it, then it's okay. Right. Like he's the standard. Like as long as he has a big speech at the end, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, everybody else is comfortable with it. Like. We're all waiting for the white guy to say, the old white mm-hmm. guy to say, it's cool. Yeah. And, then that's, and then we talked about how it's got to, we got to get away from even that. So it's even more problematic, even with that movie, that was supposed to be a breakthrough. Right. And yeah. it's just interesting thinking back because this, again, I haven't seen a lot of movies before, which mm-hmm. is kind of beneficial in a way because I'm no, seeing I, that's, this with I, fresh eyes and thinking about it from a 21 or 2021 lens. But at the same time, I still find value in a lot of the things that they were doing in yeah. 2007 and finding it to be really interesting. Like I was involved in theater in high school and I wanted to continue with it. I was involved with music in high school and in college and I wanted to continue with it. And then I started working at a creative arts school and I actually got to experience more of that. And now as someone who's been a tech director in theater and someone who's been an assistant director, it's been really fun to come into these movies with more of a critical knowledge of how things are done, which obviously doesn't translate perfectly to film. But I feel that with the podcast, I've done so much more research and understanding of what is going on even and a lot of the politics that go along with everything and just the different real life things that are going on like there are so many references in 2007 to like the bush administration and like i remember that but it's it's weird to think about like my students don't even know what was happening with bush in 2007 (laughs) is there um a particular movie from 2000 you're waiting to do you're excited you're waiting for a pick or you're looking forward to i have been constantly accosted <laughs> nicely <laughs> that I haven't seen super bad and the boys have been like how have you not seen super bad and they keep making super bad references and so that's I've never classic, seen it that's the classic line of how oh, yeah <laughs> so I haven't seen it yet and I'm very excited to watch it although I am a little nervous that again we'll have some aging comedy there tropes is. I'm sure yeah, there are there is. I think another movie that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Atonement because I've never seen it before. I do love Kira Knightley. I love, I'll, I still remember seeing the trailer for it and just the costuming. I I know that it's one of the yeah. ones that was nominated for the Oscars that mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So it's going to make you want to get a green dress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very prominent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm very interested in watching that because I've never seen that one before. And it's, it's yeah. quiet. I think a lot of people have a tough time with quiet movies and just not not the noise distractions mm-hmm. and that's what criticism with mr brooks is you have a quiet movie which is the two guys right mm-hmm. and you want to amp it up because it's a summer blockbuster so you have to amp up this side 
plots. Right. But you don't, with Atonement, it's quiet. And people like, oh, that doesn't sound like something I would want to watch because mm-hmm. you have to have patience. And I think that's something we're kind of losing with movies is just have patience with it. Because everybody wants, get the action out now. Just get it now. Right. Punch and blow up stuff and then calm it down. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that because I've noticed a lot with television, they take their time a little bit more yeah. with those quieter moments. And I think that the audience in general has become maybe a little bit smarter now than they were in 2007 where they're starting to value that. But I don't know if I see it in movies that are coming out and obviously we've had a weird pandemic year where we haven't had as much released but no right you know i'm just thinking about like what the audience wants i think that they're becoming a little bit more intelligent when it comes to understanding a lot of like what critics understand and and appreciate about movies well we said you're not familiar not really accoladed to a lot of movies because you really do concentrate on books Yes. Oh, I love books. I've made multiple jokes on our podcast about how I'm a book vampire and I just want to devour every book. I I grew up. (laughs) I know it's weird. Um, That's what my husband always calls me. He's like, you just want to suck up all the knowledge. (laughs) I, I love reading. I grew up just constantly in the library. My dad read books to us when we were really really young but they were always like sci-fi fantasy books so i grew up like phil k dick uh no no but i was i still remember sleeping or falling asleep in my dad reading lord of the rings to us when we were like four years old and when he was working in bayfield as a teacher and administrator for a while he would record his voice on cassette tapes. And so he did the whole Narnia series. Get out of here. Yeah. And so I remember just like listening to his voice and him telling these stories. And my mom would have to pause the tape and say, oh, we got to wait for tomorrow to do the next chapter when he wasn't home for those weeks at a time. So I, I grew up falling in love with stories. I still remember my dad introduced D&D to us at a very young age, my cousins even. And there was a moment when I was five and <laughs> I was playing my first elf character and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was getting really scared, honestly, because I wanted to ask a question, but my dad had assumed the role of like a wizard or something. And so he was acting <laughs> and I'm like, dad, yeah dad but what what can i do here and he's like i'm not your dad and i went why you're not my dad like what's happening so might have been a little too early for me to understand some of those pieces (laughs) but it did inspire me down this just desire to want to constantly absorb myself with anything related to fantasy and sci-fi and so now i've been doing a lot of reading with graphic novels that's thanks to my husband he grew up reading lots of comics and watching lots of anime and so now that's kind of something that i've been getting into as well yeah because i for me it was always comic books because i i know i have some kind of learning disability reading Mm -hmm. i started even when i talk so I usually get ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. So reading just text, it's like, oh my god, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I read the whole. I read Dune, and that took a long time for me. That's impressive. Yeah. I've tried to start Dune about four times. <laughs> I still haven't been able to get through it. <laughs> well, when you read and you look at it, it's like a five hundred page, or it's not even that. It's like seven hundred, but yeah. then it has like a 
30-page glossary in the back, too, yep. <laughs> and then a map and everything. And then all the politics. Yeah. And I do yeah. love maps, but I don't know. There's something about, like, political pieces of sci-fi fantasy that I've struggled to get into, but I'm starting to understand that more partially because of graphic novels. I have found that there are things that I can understand better because it's, like, spread out and they're more implicit pieces that I can catch on to just through the pictures and so I totally agree with you like I think just this whole realm of graphic novels have opened me up to so many more possibilities like I wanted to write a graphic novel for Corbin for our anniversary and then I ended up not doing it because you know life 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 gets in the way I still want to do it um, I want to hide it in the source or something and have him find it somewhere. <laughs> you should do like a murder mystery or like involve like a Mobius strip. Like, That'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I started my concept. My, the short really? film I did yeah. was thinking about a Morbius strip kind of a psychological thriller mm-hmm. and that's how it started because my wife likes those she's a math teacher too she likes the concepts of where you begin is where you end and, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes the ending is the beginning or sometimes or you uh you keep repeating but it's a little bit different at the same time so something mm-hmm. like that yeah so yeah if you can incorporate math into a script hats off I I actually <laughs> have been incorporating math to our podcast occasionally yeah. Yeah. sometimes it's not really that spot on and mathematical it's a little bit of a stretch but we do some fun segments you know on our show and one of them is I try to include some movie math and so I've done things from parabolas to exponential functions to mathematical logic and reasoning (laughs) you would love the whole behind the making of the movie 1917 really and how tight-knit mathematically they had to craft how the lighting would go arch so they had to do geometry with light how the light would radiate and had to do miniatures and keep rehearsing for a year just to get a shot of the city of what will look like how the height and all of it was just had a team of mathematics to figure out all this they need to hire me for something like that that sounds amazing (laughs) i i would love to do something like that so they figured they had to do the actor his pace his speed and how the light will go over the timing of the all the lights go over his head so it fits every well and how it gets dark in certain areas and light illuminates and then the flow of it That's amazing. so it looks effortless but you watch him dedicate a year to just get it right mm-hmm. the whole mathematics behind it yeah yeah and so, something that i want to work on as like an educator you know working in st paul i i have noticed that through distance learning through this pandemic i haven't seen a lot of really great applications to show students like how cool math is. And I feel like there could be a really great possibility of bringing in some really cool math concepts in a graphic novel or into a YouTube series that shows just like brief applications in all sorts of realms. And they're usually very dry and boring, but I want them to be fun and interesting so high schoolers can find attachment to to really short segments and find an interest and a love for the beauty of math. So there's a lot of it that goes into just making a page in your graphic novel, mm-hmm. a comic book. You oh, got to figure absolutely. out the geometry, the shapes and how much space and cause you're working with finite numbers and how many panels you're going to have five panels. Usually odd. It's funny. Odd number panels work well better than even number on a page. It yeah. just seems like it's for some reason it seems more balanced with the odd number it does yes and i know working at a creative arts school for four years we did a lot of different arts integration and so some of it that i did was 
you know, creating a comic page that had like a story problem embedded into it. And obviously, you know, working with sixth graders is a little easier to get the buy-in, but I'm hoping to like bring in a lot more of that into my high school students because now I'm teaching high school and it'd be really nice to be able to have a lot of that, you know, and giving them opportunities to express, you know, their learning through different forms of media just to find different interests for them because so many of my students are very like career college driven but they don't really understand what that even means yet i want to do this yeah Yeah. and they don't even really understand that and so i just want to give them that opportunity to explore more about who they are so (laughs) well it's tough i think um because you don't you everybody thinks you're creative then you're just going to flush your brain with mathematics but i think (laughs) if you gotta you gotta emphasize it a little bit better if you you're more comfortable practicing it Mm -hmm. i think things get a little more easier oh yeah yeah, navigating Certainly. panels and everything like that. Yeah, so application. My wife does a practical exercise where you have to pair up with a partner, and then you gotta decorate your apartment room. <gasps> Fun. So you have to pick out fabrics, and you have to figure out the measure, do all the measurements, how much fabric and space, and your decorated your windows and mm-hmm. living space, and so how much room do you have to play with? So she gets all these samples and paint and so you have to do how much paint per wall you have to measure the wall and how much paint you need and all this stuff which is fun exercise because some of them realize that you know we can't be roommates we're just we're (laughs) friends and then my wife's like well good you figure that out before you have to graduate before graduation that's yeah and that's that's something that i'm really passionate about i do have a friend who is part of a nonprofit, and for the life of me i can't remember the what the abbreviation stands for completely but it's chill basketball and chill academy and it's like community communities helping individuals learn and something and i can't remember it i'm sorry chucky but i was talking to him about how i'd love to do something like that through some sort of media now that i've been a part of podcasts it'd be really cool to start like some sort of mathematical creative podcast but keep it in really short segments for students to be able to have access to it or do a short youtube series again it's always been my dream to be like a bill nye the science guy so but i want to be the math version of that talk about (laughs) substitution here we go right but in, in a way that's really relatable and fun and i think like my love for books and my love for now podcasting and my creative energy I think that would be really cool to create and so my friend who has a nonprofit has been trying to collaborate with me on on building something like that yeah. for our students and so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to dedicate this to my students is because I'm so passionate and driven to support them in their endeavors and I want them to find what works best for them, whether it's different learning styles or problem solving or critical thinking or even just like the beauty of math. And I'm going to constantly talk about that forever. So sorry. (laughs) All right. Do you have any mathematical formulas tattooed yet? No, I don't. I don't have any tattoos because it costs money. (laughs) You don't have like Euler's formula on the back or anything? I would love to get a a mathematical tattoo, honestly, but I'd probably get David Bowie before math or like put them together somehow. I'm very, very much a David Bowie labyrinth. Really? Yes. Oh, I grew up on all the 80s, like fantasy, Willow. We we got hit over the head with it, didn't we? Yes. And, you know, someone being so young, you know, I'm only 28. You know, it's weird to think about how I grew up on all of those things. And I mentioned them to my friends. And weirdly enough, some of them have seen them. But a lot of my peers don't really know what that is and are starting to explore that and so i think that's part of my weird family that i grew up in (laughs) we got hit over the head with the whole fantasy genre Mm -hmm. and then slasher movies it was just 
abundance, okay. just constant. Yeah. Okay, I'm not yeah. really into the slasher yet, no. but I have enjoyed some of our, our horror 2007. Not like super great stuff, no. but I did enjoy the Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez double feature for Grindhouse. That was fun. That was it's a lot. I like the homage to the experience of going to see Grindhouses, and I don't know that you, especially when you're in the 90s, there were some old. Especially at like Oak Street Cinema, they played Grand Hall's 70s movies. Okay. Which was fun because I really missed when a movie started and you hear that. The film strip stuff. And then and okay. the sound kicks in yeah. and it's grainy and sometimes a reel is missing so you don't know where. It, <laughs> <laughs> or the audio, they had to redub it so all of a sudden the audio is really loud. And mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the experience that I sure like Tarantino is trying to share with that, that we missed. It's the ridiculousness of it. Mm-hmm. It's over the top it's cheaply made and it's the, the the yellow text and everything yeah that i still kind of like oh that kind of, i don't care what it's about i just remember the experience of going yeah. to the grand house movies yeah yeah and i think that's that's what's so important about cinema and film and just now television too is just the experience that we're all feeling i think a lot of that has brought us so much closer yeah. together within the pandemic is because we we lost that feeling that movie going experience and so many of us that maybe didn't watch a lot of movies thus pointing to myself yes. are, are realizing yes. how important and yeah. how valuable that community that feeling is and how we as a society have kind of connected and lost the arts through this last year but are finding ways to appreciate them more yeah yeah so horror movies it's gonna hard to digest for you it's a little hard i'm getting better at it i think that i would probably appreciate more of the older horror sometimes like i just watched silence of the lambs for the first time that's a horror movie i loved it yeah but I think I liked the tension of it. There wasn't like a lot of gore. And I do did like the humor of, oh, I'm trying to remember Robert Rodriguez's part of Grindhouse. Planet Terror. Planet Terror. I really yeah. did it because it was just like extravagantly ridiculous, mm-hmm. similar to how The Boys, the TV show, like had just extra grotesque stuff or like Hot Fuzz. We just recorded that one, that episode. And again, just like, it's still very grotesque and horror-like. That's usually something that I shy away from because I get a little squeamish. But some of the more serious horror, I don't think I ever want to see. Like Saw, I'm okay. I don't ever want yeah. to see that. That's not for me. But yeah, I the do... first one actually is less grueling than how it okay. evolved. The first one actually has a very interesting psychological plot to it. Yeah, and yeah. maybe someday I'll find it interesting. But... Science of Lambs is your barometer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I've also watched Happy Death Day recently. And so, like, the comedic spin on some of horror I've enjoyed. You know, Shaun of the Dead. Lots of those kinds of pieces I've I've kind of liked. So I'm starting to... to, When you mix genres, like, it's a comedy. Yeah, I think then I can handle it a little bit better. And, you know, (laughs) there was a moment that I did watch something from Shudder. I can't even remember oh, you what went, it was. You went, to, you went to the other side. Okay, I did, and yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but it had a sci-fi feel to it, and the music of it was incredible. And I, I will look it up, and I'll let you know about it later. Okay. But well, forget, how about break time? Okay. okay. Yeah, bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we just, uh, for Kyle and Nick, we critiqued, we went to 1991, because it's 30 years, and we did like eight different movies and we of course mm-hmm. we had to pick science and lambs and i've watched it many times but i had really set with a critical eye to watch it okay and i knew it's pretty much 
one woman's obstacles to overcome mm-hmm. a toxic masculinity, masculine society. Like mm-hmm. not even just Hannibal Lecter being a, you know, but all the obstacles she has to go through. And how just, they visually show it all the time. Yeah. Just even the contrast of how short she is compared to all of these really tall men and how they like leave yeah. the room and kind of stare at her. It's all really awkward. It's just, the beginning of the movie when she's running the obstacle course yep. and a group of men watch her and they just laugh at her because she's doing the best she can. And, yeah. Or, you know, if she meets Dr. Tilton. The first thing he does is want to take her on a date. Yeah, and, and what's amazing is she just kind of moves past it because that's what a lot of women would do is they would just completely ignore it and move. They don't address it even. You and know, they just see it and yeah, see yeah. what's wrong. Yeah, so... For me, and I've seen it multiple times, I know that's a focal point. Mm-hmm. But I, unless you're really, really paying attention, I, I, I was like, oh, my God, this is so much more obvious than I thought it was. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was just chicken, tracking serial killers. But no, it's, it's her and Clarice in the middle, and then they have all mm-hmm. these different themes to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a little break, and we'll figure out what the movie was in Shudder. And we're back more with Emily. Get ready for the new sitcom, Falls a Crown. Everything was coming up roses for Bradley and Cameron until... I could just lie here with you forever. I think we should see other people. And as if that wasn't tragic enough... The rent has gone up higher than annual passes at Disney World. But they have a plan... Turning this place into a brothel. To get a roommate. Enter Allison and Dylan. Your endless sexual escapades. Whole new men into home office. Join these 30-somethings as they face the challenges of balancing careers and dating after 29. Coming soon to a podcatcher near you. Okay, we're back with Emily. So, yeah, um, Clive Barker, right? Clive so, so Barker. So you read his books. You haven't seen any, not a lot, so many of his movies. I haven't seen any movie with like, Clive Barker. Like not even like the Hellraiser. Well, no. the first one, Hellraiser is his. Okay. And it's based on the Hellbound Heart. And then they kind of went off. He kind of like let other people explore what they wanted to do with right. it. Right, interesting. Um, HBO actually bought the rights for Hellraiser. They're going to make a TV show out of it. Well, that should be kind of interesting. I know, it's like, Tales of Scri- <laughs> it's like Tales of Script, but let's jack it up really good. Right, yeah, because it's all about if you open the box and all yeah. that stuff. Right? But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I read some of the stuff, but it's always, I'm movie first, so if I like the movie, I'll probably read mm-hmm. the book. Yeah, Yeah, I think you might like exploring or looking into his Aberat series because he did originally write it for more young adults but it still has a lot of the intense horror and just like the the visuals that he puts into the books themselves like he breaks up the text with his paintings and it is such an interesting concept with how well really the the story is that this girl from Minnesota gets taken into this world that is essentially each island is a different hour of each day. And it's always just an hour. 
Like, so 6 p.m. is this island, and it's always 6 p.m. there. And then there's also the 25th island. time is stagnant. Yeah, it is really, really interesting. And the artwork is phenomenal. I don't even know if he finished the series because, again, like I I said during the break, that he does the paintings first, and it inspires him to write the story. So that's how I fell in love with him I uh, he did in the early 90s like Lord of the Lord illusions mm-hmm. oh I still kind of I I can watch it it's hard to digest <laughs> and that's the whole point of his movies but yeah it's Scott Bakula in it so yeah he plays a private detective but it's all like illusions like magicians who really do black magic and one of them is really good at it, so he starts a cult and it's really just this nasty guy it's hard to digest I don't know how I got through renting it but <laughs> If you like Clark Barker, you like Lord Illusions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, it's not slasher movie. It's just uncomfortable throughout mm-hmm. the whole process to read his stuff, to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then you'd be fine with Saw if you like that. <laughs> okay. But again, like for me, just like visualizing yeah. things and, and watching them. I think I, I have always had a hard time with horror when it comes to not seeing what's actually happening. But then also I have struggle yeah. with like the slasher the, gore. Yeah. So it's a weird combination of I'm not quite sure what <laughs> I can handle until I actually see it. But maybe again, like I have read Berserk now, which is a manga and anime that is horrific and grotesque, but I love it. And the story is yeah. fantastic. I don't know if you've ever read it or seen it no, before. No, I got to write these down. So yes, yeah. we'll, we'll make a list for sure. But yeah. Berserk is, is really what gave anime and manga like the trope of the mm-hmm. the the one hero with a giant sword and he's like battling big monsters and scary things and the author i cannot for the life of me remember his name but he started doing like serious artwork for it when he was 15 years old and started really writing it when he was 19 and so it's a continuation i know that process yeah (laughs) i know it'll take a while to write it's a continuation but now that i have read that my husband always says now your your heart is is closed off to any of that that mushy stuff so you can handle all the dark and horrific events of horror so. i i'm i can share i can kind of relate because when especially when i write I, but the action the intense and all the stuff i can't do love very well i know that i'm very i'm i, I recognize that that's not my strong suit i'm not comfortable with doing that so you just stick with the action and the gore and everything mm-hmm. but right and then you and then you start watching rom-coms and it's like mushy like i don't want to watch this. right yeah. yeah and i've never really been into that but i will say before i forget the thing that i was looking up on shutter yes that's blood right blood machines it's a yeah. sci-fi 80s kind of oh what's the word that's not slasher like like well like, it's not made in the 80s but it's like an homage there we yeah, go that's the word go. Yeah. it's an homage to like 80s sci-fi and it's a 50 minute series not really series but it's kind of broken up into parts and into acts and the music is by Carpenter Brute and the visuals for it are just insane but i didn't really expect it to be what it was. It didn't feel very horrific to me. It felt more sci-fi and confusing and meta. <laughs> so again, I think... Well, you got me with the title. So right, we're, yeah. right. And yeah. I think for me, again, it's like a combination of genres and 
creating something that hasn't been seen before. That's what I'm more interested in. Like the horror tropes or different tropes. I'm kind of like, eh, I don't really need to see that, but like a twist on it. Yeah. That's what I find really interesting. And that's why I, I love reading books and I love just devouring media when it comes to graphic novels and manga and anime. Like I'm so obsessed with that. I always encourage, especially women to be involved with a little more horror movies than, because I think, all horror movies is centered by feminism. Either really? it's an obstacle they have to, you know, overcome mm-hmm. or it's an obstacle that is being hammered at them. Okay. And eventually, like I think every movie has the center. All right. A girl or a fan of what she has to defeat the monster mm-hmm. or, or, you know, how she obstacles she has to overcome. You know, and I think that's Nightmare on Elm Street is a perfect example. I think that's something I don't really like about horror, actually, because I remember seeing a lot of just trailers for different horror things, and it always seemed to have this focus on this scared woman's face. Yeah. And I'm not sure how... Well, that's the, sell- that's the get you in the selling point, right? Yeah, and yeah. I, I guess I never found that to be attractive for me in the sense of desiring to see something like that and maybe it was like the fear or or whatever but i don't know i i have found that things things are getting better and more interesting when it comes to media and feminism and all that but i think what i find to be even more interesting that is just looking through and finding different media for for written and designed and marketed by people of color like i found there's to be so many more interesting concepts and ideas than the typical scared white girl or the masculine white guy hero in the fantasy world but i have i have found such a really awesome wonderful world just exploring so many different cultures and exciting stories that i never really would have found unless i started digging and and learning for myself how what what's even out there right we're getting a little more it's getting better we're getting a little <laughs> more perspective it's not where we want to be but mm-hmm. there's a lot of even i think we're going to get a lot more diversified nominations especially for this year yeah but um definitely jordan peele like with the what he's doing mm-hmm. it's a big shock to the system and it's, it's like well you're we're 20 minutes we're 20 years late we're, yes. we're, we're speeded up here mm-hmm. where it shouldn't be a surprise. It should be a part of the, yeah, it was already part of the mainstream. It's just, we should get there eventually, but we should be there now. Yeah, and yeah. I agree. I, I think that for me, it started with just, I grew up in Duluth, Minnesota, super mm. white girl, didn't really have any friends of color. I had like one neighbor that um, we used to play together, but like, I, I didn't really see people of color in my life and I didn't really have to think about race ever. And so now as an educator in St. Paul, that's something that I'm really passionate about and not only learning and, and lifting the voices of my of all my students, but especially yeah. our marginalized communities because they've traditionally been left out of different conversations yes. for advocating for themselves. And so that's huge for me. And part of it is learning about different cultures and learning about the different things that my students might be interested in and see themselves in. And also as someone who will hopefully eventually have kids, you know, my husband's black and that's something that I'm so passionate about is making sure that my my own kids see themselves in media. And so this huge yeah. push for seeing diversity on screen or diversity in any sort of form of media is 
incredible and it, it's opening so many voices to the public and obviously it's, it's a great start we're not where we should be obviously especially thinking about all of the trauma and tragic events in this this even this last week you know yeah. we had many Asian women murdered just because yes. they're Asian and women you know and it, it's it's frustrating to hear and and hear all of these events happening surrounding us and trying to to continue to elevate and not quite know as like me being a white woman like how do I support my my friends and the communities out there that are traditionally marginalized you know and, right. and I think this is a good starting point but again talking about it with each other is a is something that I think needs to continue to happen and also bringing in and elevating those voices yeah yeah I had an experience when I read football and I, I think it was like in 2007 and I ran it was a inner city football game and it was really bizarre because it's the first time in my life that I was in the minority I was the only white guy Referee and all the other ones were black gentlemen. And the entire football staff on both teams were all black. Mm -hmm. And maybe one white coach on both teams. The entire stands were all black. And I was like, this is the first time that I'm a minority. Not only that, I, there's nobody really else like me out here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was obviously nobody was not like a threat, but it's, didn't he like, Kind but of it, it. it makes you have to think about race and yeah, the it, fact that as took, yeah. white people, you didn't have to think about race before then. It, it's really enlightening to be like, oh, crap, like I yeah. need to adjust my my life. I need to be educated. I need to push to be an anti-racist. And I think that a lot of our country is starting to get on that that frame of mind. But obviously... It still has a long way to go. Right. We're late to the game. Yep. It's We're both still many, 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 many years too late. Yeah. yeah. Like my yeah. husband says, he says to me all the time <laughs> that when I'm teaching, he's like, all the great things that you're doing with your students, it really won't have any sort of ramification or effect on our world maybe 100 years from now. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> That's so depressing to think about. Like all of this great work that I'm trying to do and, and all of the, the, yeah. this that I'm doing. He's like, it takes time. He's like, remember... You know, there there were some pretty bad things that only happened 200 years ago. I'm like, or even 100 years ago, or even 50 years ago. And I'm like, yeah, and even this week, you know, there's just. It's hard. <sighs> it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. And that's one yeah. thing that I love about media and about film, as I'm starting to appreciate more and more, is just hearing different perspectives and different voices. So, yeah. I think me spinning it back. <laughs> Morbius strip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> well, I think because of, Kyle and I were critiquing movies, but we, we're navigating, we're missing out a lot of foreign films that we want to talk about too. Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful foreign films. And sometimes I think everybody thinks, oh, it's a foreign film, it's going to be boring, it's going to be this dreary, but there's a lot of good content for other films that are just not made here. Yes. And I think Asia is way ahead of us in horror movies they've been for the last 30 years yes. yeah that is actually going back to what we we're talking about with yeah. horror i watched the host another 2007 movie yeah. by bong shu ho um i watched yeah. the host which is 2007 by the director from parasite he's yeah. so so phenomenal in this movie just how he does everything but and that scale like you're, you're looking at a bridge in the water you're like why am i looking at it and then you're like oh 
Oh yeah. crap, right, I yeah. Know. And I I just never expected to love horror and then I started kind of and this might just because this might just because be this might be just because I have opened my eyes to a lot of different anime and Japanese culture. And so now I'm starting to learn about just how monsters are treated in different Asian cultures. And so with South Korea and this horror movie, I was blown away by how gorgeous it was. The story was compelling. The characters were fun and real and emotionally I was emotionally invested in them and it just, it felt so much better than any other horror movie I'd ever seen. Yeah. And the the consequences of your actions start the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt more real. But then like he slows down the camera and then you see the monster going through Mm -hmm. and everything. And then they like, there's, I think if I remember the scene where they're stuck in a building and everybody's trying to get out. Yeah. And you feel the intensity and everything. Yeah. They're always been a little bit ahead. South Korea is definitely, one of those countries that kicked out a really good action movies. And that's where Parasite comes from because mm-hmm. people are like, I don't get the concept for Parasite. Well, the house is the character, right? Mm-hmm. And it's based on levels of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And the lower class, how are you going to get that house? Well, you have to lie, steal, and scheme your way because the system designed, you're never going to get it anyways. That's how you're going to accumulate is through scheming and lying and cheating and to get the achievement mm-hmm. so it's all based on a social structure and the house is based on a social structure so it's like yeah and it just has so much more of an interesting commentary than a lot of movies i have seen in like the last 10 years you know yeah. just there's so many more interesting stories out there and i want to see them and hear them and learn about them because like like i said i'm a book vampire i love stories <laughs> <laughs> well have you started writing Cor- cormac right did you read cormac's because you saw the no country uh, I have not yet. Okay. I have just been too busy. But again, it's on my list. I have I have a stack of books. I am working on some books by Jay Kristoff and Nanetti Okafor. I probably said her name wrong. I'm so sorry. You're amazing. Um, and I have some some books by V. E. Schwab that I'm trying to yeah. finish up. And I <laughs> I also have some more like nonfiction that I want to read as well. I'm not quite sure if I remember all of the names of them, but we have just so many books that are like stacked up by our bed that we want to get to and then graphic novels and things. And then on top of it, TV shows that I'm trying to get caught up on. (laughs) So, you know, I'll eventually get to it. I think you, you are right. I will probably love the book more than I, than the movie of no country for old men. I, I even read the script and I enjoyed the script more than the movie. (laughs) Right. Well, I like, cause you know, I read his blood meridian and like, I now I know now why that's not a movie because it's wonderful as a book. There's no way you can transfer that to a movie and make it good. Okay, that's why I appreciate the Coen Brothers how you transfer that book, No Country, and make it even a good movie mm-hmm. because it's so he breaks it up. He challenges what's a what's a book because mm-hmm. he does runs-ons. He doesn't do punctuation very much. Okay, fine. And sometimes it's just like a like a, a page, a sentence is a chapter. Or is this inner dialogue for 20 pages or something like that? So yeah. he really breaks up the concept of what is a story. And yeah, like I said, I think, no cool. con- I think No Country for Old Men is the sub, the, the main plot gets played down like a subplot where the subplots get amplified. Okay. Which is a kind of play. He always plays with the concept of what is a story, what is writing. 
yeah. you know, break it up. And of course, he makes sometimes he makes intentional mistakes because he's like, oh, that was a wrong. I thought you don't know spell it, but I'm moving on. <laughs> but one thing about him, he loves guns. He'll spend pages and pages talking about just guns. describing them. Gun, and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Like George R. R. Martin was spend pages talking about the food at yeah. the banquet. <laughs> but that sometimes, I mean. I would say if you're really good at something really knowledgeable, show it off. I mean, mm-hmm. Carmack's really good about guns. He knows about them. He lives in Texas, so he's going to write chapters about mm-hmm. pages and stuff like that. And, you know, Clive likes gore. He's going to talk about gory stuff. So, right, yeah. Do you have a particular author that you really enjoy? I really love N.K. Jemison. She is just fantastic in her storytelling. Um, One of the books that I finished a long time ago is the Inheritance Trilogy, which is different from the Inheritance, oh, which is Aragon. I can't remember like that, how they call it, but the Inheritance Trilogy is a a wonderful fantasy spin on a lot of African gods and goddesses and like how, how individuals work with those and it it is just so well done and interesting and and real it just feel you get so invested in these characters and so the three books in it are all somewhat related to each other they're in the same universe sure and you have like maybe a few characters and few guys that kind of overlap but not so much that you kind of get sick of what's happening but there's just so much depth to it and i i do love v schwab she is probably one of my favorite authors out there right now um i started by reading vicious and vengeful i don't know if you know either of those i'm a movie person oh my gosh okay that's why you came to the show you're gonna have to (laughs) you have to open up my world a little bit yeah no she she also does a lot of like graphic novel translations of her books okay. too so there's another series a darker shade of magic that's more fantasy based but vicious and vengeful are more superhero based it's about these two individuals that are best friends originally All right, yeah. but they become mortal enemies based off of some of the science that they do to become super <laughs> and it is incredible like i i loved how and, and when you were talking about um, No Country for Old Men's author, is it Cormac? Yep. So when you're McCarthy. talking about him with his his storytelling and how he changed it and he was like, a chapter is like a sentence. Yeah. She does stuff like that where, where she goes back and forth between the two viewpoints a lot and goes kind of back in time and then forward in time just so yeah. you are putting the pieces together. And her her books and her writing are just so interesting and fun. And I have one of her new books that I'm excited to read. All right. I like it because that's how I like Kurt Vonnegut. He mm-hmm. does that. He breaks up things. Yeah. And-, and that's an author that I haven't been able to get into, but I do have a couple of his books that I've wanted to read. I have Cat's Cradle, and then I also have The Slaughterhouse Five. Five that I. There you go. That's it. That, yeah. <laughs> Those are the you, two you that I want to work good on. One. Yeah, because that's what he does with Slaughterhouse. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a, what is this? A, because it's the experience in Dresden, mm-hmm. being in war, but then it's also like sci-fi, like aliens and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are we doing? And yeah. all my friends are like, yeah. "You, of course, Emily, you would love this. And I just, yeah. you know, there are just so many more interesting stories out there right now for me. And so eventually I'll probably get into it maybe over the summer. I have found that the pandemic has helped me <laughs> be more creative yeah. and also be more educated when it comes to just reading. I have... I've had 
the depression and anxiety that has just overwhelmed my life, but I have also found coping with a lot of that. I have pushed myself a little bit more to right, yeah. be in those worlds. <laughs> no, I, I've done it too because I, you know, I'm not comfortable with like romantic films. Mm-hmm. And I kind of stay away from them or love stories and stuff. And I've really forced myself. Okay, you're gonna have to force yourself to watch, enjoy. Because if you like movies, you can't just turn them off one specific genre. Mm-hmm. So I've been actually watching a lot of romantic movies and like? and then my wife comes in what are you watching <laughs> what have you watched uh I wa- for the first time i watched 10 things i hate 10 things i hate about you i've never seen it oh my gosh that um, movie is so fun <laughs> and stick with numbers like how do you break up with your with the the one with kate hudson how do you, oh, I've how never do you lose seen your boyfriend in 30 days yeah, yep, yeah i haven't seen that one but so, i stick do with know numbers. what yeah. that is 13 going on 30 so yeah i remember watching that in middle school <laughs> But I've never seen it before, and I have to, yeah, you have to, I think it's all, you have to force yourself to watch or something like, you know, don't shut yourself down. Right, and if we as creatives want to push boundaries in our own forms of media, we have to see what has happened Mm -hmm. so that we can change and twist the dynamic and twist the storytelling to make it more interesting or work to tell other people's stories but see kind of where we came from and so that we can push and continue to move forward is there another movie that you like that we haven't mentioned before i have to mention yet I mean, I love The Lord of the Rings. Like, I'm obsessed with extended co- And I've watched those movies on repeat, on co- the commentary. I, I, I love it. But I think more recently, I, I don't know. I, I think yeah. for me, a lot of anime movies have kind of spoke yeah. to me. You know, especially Studio Ghibli with And that's something Miyazaki. I need to catch up on because I'm really... Ignorant. Um, yeah, I would recommend uh, since you like horror, you should definitely start with Akira if you haven't seen that movie before. No, Akira is really good dubbed and subbed, and I actually just watched it for the first time. So you could actually just like watch it without subtitles, okay, and just listen to the dub version of it, and you won't miss out on too much. But it is really what shaped what anime is now. All right, all right, and the hand drawing, the music in it, the visuals, it it really is one of the most incredible things that I think I've seen. And I just watched it for the first time. Like it's it's literally by far one of my favorite visual masterpieces out there. And it inspired so many other people with but nothing has really gotten to that. Again, I think it inspired a lot with Ghost in the Shell. I don't know if you've seen the oh, yeah. 2017 well, the movie. 1996, I saw the animation one. Yep, so you saw the animation one as well. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know if you'd seen the Scarlett Johansson one. Too. I mean, I think I did. I just shut <laughs> yeah. it up, just flushed it out of my brain. But right, yeah. but yeah. I would say like the, the anime is so well done and inspired by that. And, you know, there are... So many other really interesting shows out there, too. But going back to Miyazaki, because I hadn't really seen a lot of his stuff before until I met Corbin. I had seen Howl's Moving Castle because that is a book that I fell in love with as a kid. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was my first introduction to anime. 
And that was when I was, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And I, I was like, wow, this is so cool. This is a book and it's different animation. And yeah. and I didn't realize that that was what was quote unquote anime. So like back when I was in high school, anime club was kind of the people that were outcasts. And I didn't really understand <laughs> that. Oh, guess what? This yeah. is actually really interesting. And I, I love this. And so when Corbin introduced Princess Mononoke for me, again, oh, yeah. such interesting storytelling and there's never we talked about villains on mr books you and me and and how villains need to be interesting and not always bad they need to be something that people like and are likable and are fun and you can relate to them and so what i love about miyazaki is not only does he have the environment be a character but also that the people in the story aren't bad per se it's not obviously bad it's that they are complex and interesting yeah yeah because you know you watch science land Hannibal Lecter is awful (laughs) right he's really awful but there's something generally there's a little bit of a soft to him right Mm -hmm. he's never going to go after Clarice that's a little above him but he's an awful human being but he's fascinating Mm -hmm. that's one thing Kyle and I say he can be an awful character awful you know but you have to be interesting and compelling to watch mm-hmm. yeah even though we like Darth Vader there's somebody he has to answer to <laughs> yes oh and speaking of Star Wars that again I grew up on Star Wars like love love the hero's journey I mean you and I I'm wearing a stormtrooper mask <laughs> when I was, well I think I was three when Empire Strikes Back when I was four when Empire Strikes okay. Back and I saw it in the theater and then it was like three two years till Return of the Jedi so mm-hmm. as a kid I was like he's still frozen it's like mm-hmm. he's, for me he's been frozen for two years oh, <laughs> so i was like he's still there i remember as a kid like dad he's still in there i know we're gonna <laughs> i just remember as a little kid thinking you know, i go to bed thinking han solo is still frozen what is he how is he gonna get out of there <laughs> i don't think i'll make my children wait two years before we see return of the jedi after empire strikes back <laughs> i had a little boba fett action figure and before Return Jedi, he, I always thought he could fly. They never oh, showed them. Yeah. And then when the Return Jedi came out, and he did. You I, were like, I, I knew it! I did in the theater. <laughs> I turned to my dad and go, I told you! <laughs> and then he died. He's like, oh, you <laughs> Well, did he? <laughs> right, did he? Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Right. But that's fun because you don't see him. Yeah. You don't. He speaks very little, but he's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know much about him, but you're like, yeah. stay in there. Mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You ever think, you mentioned you want to do your own graphic novel. Yes, someday. Did you ever think about doing your own novel? So I used to want to, oh my God. So I used to want to be an English teacher. Like that was what I wanted to do. But I ended up doing math partially because I did find math so much more interesting than English. English. Even though you read. Even though I love reading. It was more that I also really love puzzles and I love putting things together. And I love how math and creative pieces of my brain like work together. And so that's why I went the math route. Plus, I I really thought that (laughs) trying to find an English teacher job was going to be so much harder than a math teacher job. So that was kind of the reality of it. But when I was in high school, I did a lot of writing, really short stories with one of my good friends. We we really... Oh, collab. Yeah. And so we did a lot of short stories about the same character. And we would do these short stories about Madison, who would have these moments of inner thinking and 
processing about really bizarre situations or really bland situations. Like for example, like I spent a whole story just talking about how she was looking at this mud (laughs) and by the end of it, she like jumped in it because she was thinking about how cool it would feel between her fingers and whatnot. And so just like very introspective and I, I really loved that collaboration and you know, I, I'm working on just writing different pieces with the podcast as well so with i drink your podcast we have the second part of our show is the battle of twits it's a very creative competition and we spend a lot of time writing those questions we spend a lot of time writing and creating those answers too and some of them are improv but i found that it has inspired me to get back into writing you know (laughs) i don't remember all of the things that we have written in the past, but I I just, I love having that creative spark and those prompts and pushing ourselves. And again, it's a collaborative process between usually me and Ben will come up with the questions. And I think that's probably the best part of our show, honestly. I think. Yeah, it's the most there, fun. Yeah. <laughs> there's it's, so many. It's almost like all the foreplay is talking about the movie. Right. And then you get to... <laughs> but there are so many movie podcasts out there. Yeah. And now that I am involved in a podcast, I'm constantly listening to podcasts. That's sure. the other reason I have a huge stack of books. But we spend so much time talking about the movie. But then we're like, hey, let's put a creative spin on it and talk about how we can make things more fun. And so just having this competition playful, it doesn't mean anything. The points don't matter in, you know, who's on it anyway style. But we just have so much fun and it's inspired me to want to continue writing. And I, again, like I don't know what my project will be. It will probably be a slow process because, you know, my husband and I are looking at houses right now. I I know all about slow (laughs) process, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that I, I'm very much a collaborative person. I'd rather not be a sole person writing something because I think I do my best work when I'm working with someone and I'm collaborating yeah. some with someone and editing someone's work because I I know I have a lot of talents and I am willing to accept that now. I wasn't really willing to accept that a year ago. But I I think that the collaboration of being an educator has translated to that where I I much rather want to elevate the voices in my space and work together with them rather than me just like, Hey, this is me. I'm amazing. And let me do all these cool projects. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense. It does to me because the writer's world is just blasting everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's a spark of an idea. My, my entire story started with simply a good guy fighting a big monster bad guy and he gets flown out the window. That's what's the start. Mm-hmm. And it just blossomed into this whole structure of 10 different characters and yeah. all that stuff. So it always starts with one thing. Yeah. And then it goes all over the place. Yeah. And especially if you're first time writing it, mm-hmm. it's hard. It is really hard, especially if you write, right? Because you're like, is it good? Am I being too much exposition? Mm-hmm. When's the right time to do exposition? Some people like all exposition. You know? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so I think it's hard to write in a vacuum. I think, you, yeah, you write, but share with somebody, work mm-hmm. with somebody. And that's how I got 
mine, I went through seven drafts before I got. Wow. Yeah, because it was just That's awful. incredible, well, Nick. Well, it was just so awful. It was still seventh grade, right? But you yeah. persisted and continued and, and collaborated with people, and you, you came up yeah. with such an incredible thing and product, you know? Yeah. I think if you're going to be a writer, don't worry about the plot holes. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll critique the plot holes. That's fine. Every story has Just them. keep writing. Just keep yeah. putting something down. No, every movie, I, all the movies I love, there's a massive plot hole into it. Yeah. I don't know. I love The Dark Knight. That's oh, my favorite movie. Oh, I do movie. too. <laughs> and they go out the building. They yep. go out the window. And it just cuts like, well, he's still up there. <laughs> We're going to, he just, what, he just went home? But the movie cuts. And that's a major plot hole. But if you love the movie, you will continue mm-hmm. to watch. But so don't critique it on plot holes if you're special writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Emily, I have to say thanks for coming. Oh my God, this is a blast. This has been really fun. It's hard to like stop, isn't it? It is hard to stop. I I do really appreciate you inviting me on. I was very shocked that someone of your caliber would invite someone like me. Oh, stop it. Stop. Like I said, I'm starting to accept the fact that I am talented and I'm valuable and people definitely want to talk to me because I'm cool, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm really not that cool. I'm just a huge nerd and I love talking about... We love nerds. I I married a nerd. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) She runs Doctor Who Club. That's so precious and adorable. See, my husband and I play a lot of Star Wars versions of Dungeons and Dragons role playing games. So yeah, that's yeah. like what we do with our friends is we we do narrative storytelling with Star Wars. So it's our favorite line we say, Andy and I, is because when David Tennant, I think it was the Tenth Doctor. Mm-hmm. What does nobody do recreational math anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I do and love that. And then they turn. When do we start? Yeah, just give me a blank page and I'll go at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. but I really do appreciate you oh, having me you. on and in your home and in your studio. It has just been so much fun to get to know you and have your support for our podcast. Which... Oh, you guys are great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to handle it not drinking and podcasting, but. <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't drink. I only drink for our podcast. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's part of our podcast. We usually do special cocktails or something fun to tie yeah. it back to the movie. But, you know, it's all about just friends having fun together and then being creative on the second part. Well, thank you for having me on your show. You did yes. my, my favorite exercise is drinking and talking movies. So yes. I, it's nice. And to meet new people. I love that. Mm-hmm. Even though they're on Zoom, I, I like, you guys yeah. are the greatest. I like your show so much. Thank so. you so much, Nick. I drink your podcast. So, yeah, def- check it out. Emily, thank you so much for having coming of on course. the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, it's not over till the guests say it's over. It's over. There we go. (laughs)